welcome back to Dauber Prospects Radio. We're looking at episode 50 today. I'm your host, Peter Harling. You can follow me on Twitter at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. Follow the podcast on Twitter at DPR underscore show. You can subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on, subscribe and follow us on iTunes. And you can catch us on uh, SoundCloud and Stitcher and Spotify and a whole bunch of other places. So uh, check us out. Subscribe to us on all those places. Anywhere that you can, please do so. Give me a five-star review. Leave any comments, uh, things you'd like to see, things you like about the show. So I know what we all are looking for when we download this epi- these episodes. So what's happening in the hockey world right now lately? We've got the uh, NHL trade deadline creeping up. The NCAA Beanpot Tournament just wrapped up last night. Uh, the Five Nations tournaments over in Russia. So these are all some things that have been happening in the hockey world as of late. I'll touch on most of that stuff on this episode today. Uh, in terms of NHL trade rumors, uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about those on this podcast. I don't think that that's necessarily something that people listening to my show are listening to it for. However, you may be interested in that. And if you are, I'd recommend checking out a website called NHL Trader, MyNHLTradeRumors.com. It's a great one-stop shop for what's happening, what are the latest rumors, what your team might be looking at, who might be available, what they might be offering. It's a really interesting time of year for all of that stuff. And uh, incidentally, you can click on their prospects tab on there. Uh, that's something that you might be interested in. And you can find top 10 team rankings for every team. And this season, they'll be updated uh, by myself again. I've been doing that pretty exclusively for uh, my NHL trade rumors in the last couple seasons. But uh, it's a lot of work. So uh, the folks there have recruited some outstanding assistants, uh, people you all know very well. Cam Robinson the managing editor of Dauber Prospects. Follow him on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Robinson. Chris Wassel is doing some team prospects reviews as well. You should be following him on Twitter because he's great for bouncing fantasy hockey questions off of. At Chris Wassel, D-F-S, that's C-H-R-I-S, W-A-S-S-E-L-L-D-F-S. Uh, another writer you probably follow is Hannah Stewart. Uh, follow her on Twitter as well at Hockey with Hannah and uh, Mike Agello. You might know him from Hockey Buzz. He will be doing the Leafs top ten. Follow him on Twitter at Mike in Buffalo. Uh, all right. So another thing uh, that I kind of wanted to touch on real quickly. Uh, I, Yoki Nevalainen does great stuff for Dauber prospects. Uh, I'm probably his biggest fan. The latest article he did that I absolutely love is a tournament review of the U18 Five Nations in Russia. And he has a very lengthy article with uh, several comments on uh, on a whole bunch of players. Um, So he's been watching those games. He's been putting out tweets, tweeting his observations and thoughts as the games go along. And so he just compiled a whole bunch of those notes and threw them together in a kind of like a scouting review article for the Five Nations, which... Uh, if you may not know, is full of NHL draft-eligible prospects. Uh, so some of the prospects that you want to go on and start article and check out, uh, players who most of these guys were in the first round of our recent NHL fantasy ranking, the NHL draft, also available on Dauber Prospects. So from Russia, he talks about uh, Ilya Podkolzin, Ilya Nikolaev, from USA, uh, Trevor Zegras, Alex Turcott, Cole Caulfield, Matt Boldy, Cam York, all of those players made the fantasy ranking. A couple Finns, Levi Altonen and Patrick Pustola. Uh, I don't think any of those players did make the final rankings, but still, nevertheless, they are fantasy relevant prospects. Uh, a couple of Swedes as well that you want to be familiar with Victor Soderstrom, uh, Lucas Raymond, and Albin Grew. Two of those players made the fantasy ranking list, uh, so be sure to check that out. I was having a go the other day at Twitter, and I came across a really fantastic uh, tweet from Cap Friendly. Uh, if you're not using Cap Friendly for all your NHL salary cap um, information, you're doing it wrong. They have a number of other really cool tools, depth charts and, and whatnot, things that you can explore and, and have fun with. And one of the things that they put together using their tools 
is a projected um, group six uh, free agency, potential free agent players that are going to be available uh, this summer, July 1st. So group six UFA free agents are players who should be restricted free agents, but because they meet a certain criteria in that they are over 25 years old, uh, have played, uh, earned out their three-year entry-level contract, and they have played less than the required NHL games played to maintain their restricted free free agent eligibility status. Easy for me to say. Uh, So all in all, there are 51 players on this list, 51 prospects who will become unrestricted free agents should they fail to meet the criteria. 11 of these players are eligible to qualify. So most of these players are are not A-list prospects. In fact, none of them are. Uh, However, some of them are, are relevant and some of them have become very relevant recently. So Check out the list. Uh, it's on Twitter, Cap Friendly. Follow them. Uh, find the. It's like a picture. So find the picture of a screenshot of their of their list that they made. And I'm going to talk about it for uh, a second here, real quick. So the 11 players who are eligible, who are uh, sorry, on target to become unrestricted free agents, but are eligible to play enough games that the team will have restricted free agency status with them. So. For example, the first player on the list is Tyler Grayevac, Calgary Flames prospect. He needs to play 18 more games by the end of the season in order for Calgary to switch his eligibility from unrestricted free agent on July 1st to restricted free agent. Personally, I don't see that happening. So that means that Tyler Grayevac will become an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. He'll be free to sign with any team he that chooses to sign him and he wants to play with. So most of these players on the list, these are kind of waiver eligible players for the most part. Some of these guys have been claimed on waivers. Some of them were in the expansion draft. Um, so, you know, you're not looking at need to own prospects here. And most of these guys will become under safety free agents. And most of those players will not, in my opinion, probably receive an offer and their NHL career should be, should be over. And they'll, maybe sign an AHL contract or head over to Europe for a few years. Um, so the 11 players who are eligible to qualify for restricted free agents are Tyler Grayevac, as I said, Tanner Kiro, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he needs to play only four more games. So if Vancouver has any interest in maintaining his rights, then they'll play him four games before the season ends. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights have two, Maxime Lagasse, and, who needs 11 games, and Stefan Mateau, who needs 12 games. I don't suspect that either of those players will will reach that threshold and will become unrestricted free agents. Uh, this is another way that teams can can eliminate contracts from their 50 contract limit in order to sign players that they've previously drafted or players who are in the NCAA or free agents that they're just targeting. Uh, okay, moving on the list. Rocker Grimaldi, Nashville Predators. He needs to play five games. Um Five games isn't isn't a lot to ask, but he's not in the roster, so I, I don't think he's going to do that. This is... I'll skip him. Seth Griffith, Winnipeg Jets, needs to play one more game. Uh, he's really bounced around a lot through the league already. I think he's pretty much established himself as uh, capping out as a great AHL player, but not really an NHL player. Taylor Lear, Buffalo Sabres. He needs to play 25 more games. That's not happening. Scott Wedgwood of the Buffalo Sabres needs to play five more games. Unless there's an injury, that's probably not going to happen either. And another goalie, Zane McIntyre, Boston Bruins. He would need to play 24 more games, and uh, that's not likely going to happen. Unless Tuku Rask keeps letting in goals like the one he let in tonight against Alex Dabrinkat. All right, uh, two more players on this list, and they're both goalies who I think will play the games required. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers, Anthony Stolarz, he's starting tonight for Philadelphia. He needs to play 11 more games, so that'll drop down to 10 after this game. Uh, And the other one is St. Louis Blues goalie Jordan Biddington, who I spoke about recently. Uh, I had the misfortune of dropping him from my fantasy league just just before he went on this incredible streak with the St. Louis Blues where he's made them a relevant hockey team again. He needs to play 14 more games before the season's over, and I have every confidence that St. Louis will find a way to play him in those games, barring injury. Uh, So talking about Anthony Stolarz, 
looking a little bit closer at his file and the situation in Philadelphia. So he needs to play 11 more games. He's starting tonight, so that's down to 10. If you look at the Flyers' depth chart, and particularly the goalie position, I'm not sure if they're going to make a push to get him into all those 11 games. I don't think it would be the end of the world if he became an unrestricted free agent. They could still sign him if they wanted to. But if you look at their depth chart, you've got Carter Hart, of course, who is the golden child there. He's under contract through 2021. I think they called him up for a look this season, and he's just played so well for them in the NHL that I think he's here to stay. I think it's Carter Hart time starting now uh, until further notice. The other goalies they have would be Brian Elliott and uh, Michael Naverth, who are both set to become unrestricted free agents, and I think it's safe to say that we can say goodbye to both of those players in Philadelphia. The other two options they have would be prospects Alex Lyon and Felix Sandstrom. Lyon's under contract through 2020, Sandstrom through 2021. So three goalies under contract in Philadelphia. You need four to fill out both your professional team rosters in Lehigh Valley and Philadelphia. So Anthony Stolar certainly fits into the equation there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia is interested in adding a veteran goalie uh, to uh, to ride it out with, with Hart in the NHL roster. A veteran goalie who can be a backup, uh, someone who has the ability to come in and play some games if Hart gets on a cold streak or gets injured or something like that. Um, so I'm not sure that Anthony Stolarz is that guy, but we'll see. It's a possibility. Some other notable prospects on the list, and these are players who it's not possible for them to meet the minimum game threshold, and they will become unrestricted free agents on July 1st. Uh, a whole bunch of Anaheim Ducks, Andy Walensky, defenseman, and uh, forwards Kevin Roy and Kale Costilla. Uh, those are all players that... I think will become or that will become unrestricted free agents and may or may not have uh, NHL upside. Los Angeles forward Johnny Bredzinski, a player we've talked a little bit about on this podcast before as well. Vegas Golden Knights Griffin Reinhardt. There is a sad story. The prospect who had such high expectations, a high draft pick, and it is just not working out. JC Lapon is a player that I really like. Uh, I enjoyed watching him play in junior uh, i'm a little bit disappointed that he hasn't been able to muscle his way onto an nhl roster he's fantasy relevant in bangers and mash leagues as he is a physical player good on the fourth line not sure he's going to get an nhl contract at any point danny regan is an interesting one he was uh, acquired by buffalo he's a forward in the evander kane trade and he was one of the top prospects that they got back in that deal so it's a little bit surprising that they're going to lose him for nothing Carolina signed Andrew Podorowski out of NCAA as a free agent when his college season ended. He's having a really great year in Charlotte. I believe he's leading that team in scoring or right up there. Uh, so he's a player I think definitely has upside and potential. Uh, New York Rangers have a few players. John Gilmore and uh, Cristobal Neves, a defenseman and a forward. Both have been ranked in the New York Rangers top 10 prospects. Um, both are a little bit slow on the developing side, so looks like they're going to set to become free agents. And the last one that I thought was relevant, another college free agent signee, Mike Vecchione, Philadelphia Flyers forward. Uh, I guess the Flyers just have a little bit too much depth for him to fit in. Um, so that was a really interesting, I think, article on cap friendly not really an article but tweet uh so there's 51 players in total these are the players that i think are fantasy relevant a lot of these players will be owned in fantasy leagues especially by uh the caliber of leagues from people that listen to this show so if you own one of these prospects uh they might be on the move as a free agent if they do get signed in a new situation on a new team i think that's going to be great news it'll give them a renewed value and then of course if they don't sign and, and move on to another league and another continent well then i guess that frees up a roster spot for you and you can drop that player at your earliest convenience all right so that's it for the intro section i'm going to take a quick break when i come back i'm going to do this week's waiver watch and talk about some players you want to look at
All right, it's a little bit of waiver wire time, folks. So last week, I had a chance to take in a Guelph Storm game, and then this week they played again against Kingston Frontenacs, so I got to watch that one on TV. And it was a slaughter for the Frontenacs. I think the combined score was something like 25 to 1. Really, really bad. Uh, Guelph's a very good team, and Kingston is the opposite. However, there's a number of players on Guelph uh, that were obviously very impressive, and one player who really stood out to me and that looked like he is NHL ready uh, was defenseman Dmitry Samarukov. So Guelph recently added a, a bunch of players. They added a uh, number of defensemen at the trade deadline, uh, the likes of Sean Dersey, who was recently traded from Toronto to L.A. Uh, they also added uh, Fedor Gordiev, another Toronto Maple Leafs prospect. Uh, so they really shored up their blue line. And it's interesting that since then, Sam Rukov's trajection in, has, imp- has improved, has increased. His points production game has, uh, has climbed since then. He's got 21 points in 22 games, uh, which coincides kind of along the same lines as those trades so his ice time would certainly be a little bit diminished but he's been surrounded by better players and his production has increased uh what i like about him is he's six foot three 185 he skates very very well he's very strong on his skates but he looks he's a heavy player but he moves very lightly uh, he's got no problems getting around the ice. His edge work's really good. He, I think he transitions from forwards to backward skating, no problem. He's got great lateral mobility. Uh, he's able to walk the blue line on the point very, very well. Uh, he is uh, signed by the Edmonton Oilers, so he's under contract. He's only 2% Fantrax owned, uh, so his fantasy ownership across the board is very low. The last time I looked, there is opportunity for pretty much anyone in Edmonton who can come in and make an impact he's going to be turning pro next year so he's either going to be in Bakersfield in the AHL getting a little bit of pro seasoning or jump right to the NHL very likely uh, in the AHL for at least a season Uh, his point totals this season are, are good but not great in 45 games he's got four goals and 23 assists for 27 points so that's a little over a half a point per game production but as I said he's been kind of on fire lately and the games that I watched him play was fantastic. Uh, okay, so next player moving on to NCAA. I was checking out the scoring leaders in the NCAA recently, and something that really jumped out at me is there is a defenseman who's right up in league scoring. He's seventh overall in NCAA scoring for a defenseman. Uh, and he's the second in overall in defenseman scoring, and that would be Chase Prisky right? Who the heck is that? He is 1% Fantrax owned, so he is heavily available in in almost every league. Uh, He plays for Quinnipiac, and he is a Washington Capitals draft pick. Sorry, he was a seventh round pick. Uh, Sorry, sixth round pick in 2016. So he's a senior and the captain for Quinnipiac. So he's playing in his final year. He was looking at turning pro last year, but uh, decided to go back for one more year of college, obviously. So he's 22 years old, so he's pretty developed. He's six foot 192. He will absolutely be turning pro next season as he's a senior, and this is his final year of NCAA eligibility. And unless he signs right after his season's done and joins Washington or their AHL affiliate, he will become uh, unrestricted free agent uh, mid-July, sorry, mid-August. Uh, so this summer, he has the opportunity to become a free agent or sign quickly and, and burn the first year of his uh, NHL entry-level contract by playing out the end of this season. Uh, but he's certainly a player who I think is is way under the radar. And in 28 games, he's got 14 goals. So that's half a goal per game production. Plus, he's got 21 assists, so that's 35 points. Now, obviously, I haven't seen this player play live. I haven't seen him play on TV either. I just heard about him the other day. Um, however, this is you know pretty impressive stats, and the fact that you could add him to your roster and he could turn pro next year, maybe even in the NHL next season, means you've got 
very little to lose by looking at signing this player as a free agent in your fantasy league. Um, Okay, moving on. The next guy would be Tyler Benson. Left wing, another Edmonton Oilers prospect. He is in the pro level already. He's playing in uh, Bakersfield. He's 10% Fantrax owned, so he's a little bit more pedigree on this profile. Uh, he's 20 years old, and he's six foot 192, so you know he's got decent size. He suffered with injuries a lot when he was playing in junior out in Vancouver, and uh, so he missed like half seasons. Uh, played a full season last year in the pros, so that was great. This season, he's got uh, 46 games, 8 goals, 30 assists for 38 points. That's not bad. Actually, I'm sorry. Last year, was he was in junior for his final season. This is his first year as a pro. Uh, so he's trending in the right direction. He's, he's a, a good developing prospect, despite all the time that he missed. He's got decent size, great hands. He's the captain of his junior team uh, for, I think, three seasons. His second season, I think he became captain. Uh, so he's got you know good leadership and character abilities as well, which helps him get into the NHL roster. It might not seem relevant to your fantasy team because who cares if he's good in the room, but it actually does. It does help. It does make a difference. All right, uh, the next player I want to talk about is a player who was recently traded. Speaking of NHL trade deadlines, and that would be Emil Pettersson, Elias Pettersson's uh, bigger brother. So. Big Brother's been over in North America a little bit longer than his sensation rookie brother. Uh, He's been property of the Nashville Predators for a few seasons, and we've talked about him on this podcast before. Um, He was traded to Arizona for two prospects, Laurent Dauphin and Adam Haluka. Uh, These are C-grade prospects. He was traded for it, and he's a B. So uh, basically Arizona traded two nickels for a dime here. Um, let's see what's going on with this guy. He's got uh, 33 points in 49 games, 11 goals, 22 assists. Uh, since he's been to Tucson, he's played two games with him already in the AHL. He's got three assists, so three points in two games is pretty good. He's 25 years old, six foot two, 170, and he was a sixth round pick from way back in. 2013 so this is a player who may or may not ever move up from the ahl ranks into the nhl he is only two percent fan tracks owned um if he were available in my league i would put him on my watch list but i wouldn't sign him Uh, i would wait until he got called up Uh, still an interesting player though to put on your radar and the fact that he was acquired by arizona i think helps his helps his upside and potential trajectory to the nhl Uh, Speaking of waiting for players to get recalled, the final player I want to talk about is Vancouver Canucks forward, who was recalled recently and made his NHL debut last night. That would be Zach McEwen. So I had the pleasure of watching McEwen play when he was in junior with Gatineau for a little bit. Uh, Before he uh, signed as a free agent with Vancouver, he's been playing the last couple seasons in the AHL with Utica. And this season particularly, he's just been dominant. He's been on fire. So McEwen's a big guy. He's 6'4", 212 pounds, uh, but he's really fast. He skates very well, and he's actually got really soft hands. Uh, I liked watching him in warm-up when I went to go see Gatineau games because he really was practicing his puck skills during the warm-up, and some players will do that. You know, quick stick handling as fast as he can, back and forth, back and forth pulling it, dragging it, toe-dragging it between players' legs while they are skating in circles and whatnot, uh, juggling the puck, bouncing it on his stick, bouncing it off the shaft, landing it on the shaft, flipping it over, that kind of stuff. So he's got pretty good skills, pretty good hands. He's a big player. He skates well. He's got all of the tools to be a good player, and it's really great to see him putting it together this year. So he was undrafted, kind of came out of nowhere, totally a late bloomer, Um So he made his NHL debut last night. I noticed that he got an assist and he had two shots. I think he was a minus, uh, a couple hits, maybe a block shot. Um, But that's what he's going to do. He's going to chip in a few points for you. He's going to get you a couple shots and some gritty, greasy stats too, like hits and blocks and probably some penalty minutes once he gets himself established in the league a little bit more. Um, Yeah, so he's got size, speed, skill. He's tough. Um, So, you know, it's really interesting that he made his NHL debut last night. Uh, I was lucky enough to add him in my Fantrax uh, 
DPFHL roster a few weeks ago, and now he's made his NHL debut, and that makes me look really smart, so I like that. All right, so that's this week's waiver watch. We're going to tap out here and come back and talk a little bit about the beanpot action that's been happening. Hang on for that. Now, the first two uh, Mondays of the month of February every year are what a lot of folks in the hockey college and New England area get really excited for is the Beanpot Tournament. So this is an annual tournament held between four schools in that area. You're looking at the Boston University Terriers, Boston College Eagles, Harvard University Crimson, and the Northeastern Huskies. This is actually a really important and relevant tournament to the area and it is really heavily contested the compete level in these games is important and when you watch them and you see the the final game and the championship come down the players win it they are excited about it and tsn god bless them broadcast some of the games this year and last year so i've had the opportunity to watch them a little bit and one year i'm going to go to boston and and watch these games live because yeah, it just gives me a good excuse to go to Boston. I've never been. So I really like this tournament. Uh, the compete level is super high. The passion there is great. And on TV, they're having interviews with alumni players, and they're talking about how it's such an important tournament, and it means so much to the schools and everything. Uh, what it does do is it gives me an opportunity to watch college hockey north of the 49th here in Canada. And these are four uh, elite schools when it comes to recruiting hockey players, and there's some very prominent prospects in the tournament. So last week, they had uh, two games, and the winners of each game played for the championship on Monday this week, and the two teams played in uh, the consolation game. They didn't broadcast the consolation game on Monday night, which was unfortunate, but I understand it was not a really exciting game. So the consolation game was held between uh, Boston University Terriers and Harvard Crimson. Uh, So I did get to watch both these teams play last week. Uh, So I'll talk a little bit about each team and and some of the players that stood out to me in this tournament. Um, I apologize for not having a a guest on for this segment. I had one lined up, but it didn't work out. Uh, Okay, so starting with my uh, personal favorite of the teams, uh, mainly because I have a Boston Terrier, which I love, love, love. So the Boston University Terriers, uh, let's start with their goalie, Jake Ottinger. He's a Dallas Stars prospect. Uh, he's got great size. He looked really good in the tournament. I, I like what I saw from him. Uh, Boston Terriers lost last week and then lost the consolation game, but it doesn't sound like Jake Ottinger had anything to do with the losing. Um, it's just disappointing that this is a team that's having trouble scoring considering they have uh, about a dozen NHL drafted prospects on their roster. Uh, so Ottinger's 20% fan tracks owned. Uh, Joel Farabee is is their most dominant offensive forward. He's 22% owned. He's a winger, drafted last summer by the Philadelphia Flyers in the first round. Really liked what I saw from Farabee. He he was a an impact player offensively in, in the first week. He's got great speed. He's got good hands. Um, playing on their top line as a, as a freshman, he could be a one-and-done in college. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned pro after this season. Uh, another strength on the Boston Terriers would be their blue line. You have a couple of Nashville Predators defense prospects, uh, and we all know how great Nashville is at drafting and developing defense. Uh, so De- Dante Fabro and David Ferentz. Uh, Fabro is 21% owned and Ferentz is only 2% owned. Uh, as I said, both Nashville pro- prospects. Uh, Dante Fabro is... Um, a player who I think this is his final season of NCAA, so he'll be looking to make the jump to pro next year or at the end of this season. He could, uh, when Boston University season ends, he's going to sign and and play for for Nashville at the end of the season and maybe even in the playoffs as well. He's that good. Um, Shane Bowers is another prospect who you, uh, a name you might know. He's 9% fan tracks owned. He's a center. He's Colorado Avalanche prospect. And he was pretty invisible 
and I saw some tweets on the timeline on the the consolation game, kind of echoing that sentiment that he just was not making an impact. Um, so that is disappointing. But he's a freshman as, as well in college, so you know don't hit the eject button on him if you own him already. He's he's still very young, so give him some time to develop, um, or not. But you know just wouldn't give up on him yet. He needs more time. Another player who I was really interested in watching is Cameron Crotty. He uh, comes from my neck of the woods, actually. Brockville Braves alumni went from Brockville to uh, Boston College, or sorry, Boston University, and uh, he's drafted by Arizona, 2017 third round pick. He is 0% fan tracks owned. Uh, he's a big sort of physical defenseman, more stay at home than, than two-way offensive. I was really interested to see him play. Um, and as he's a, a candidate for Team Canada at the World Juniors as well. He was one of the, the final cuts from their uh, selection camp. And a little disappointed what I saw from him. He had a pretty bad turnover that resulted in directly into a goal. Um, but again, very young, still needs some more time. Drafted in 2017, so this will be his second season. Uh, so they finished fourth in the tournament. Uh, finishing third was Harvard Crimson. Uh, I watched them play in the tournament two years ago, and I believe they won. And um, Merrick Madsen was the goalie, and that put him firmly on my prospects to watch radar as he was really underrated, and I thought he had a really great game in the bean pot. Uh, and I've been watching him closely since. He's now in Arizona. He was a Philadelphia Flyers prospect, but he's now in Arizona. So in this tournament, though, they had another goalie who I didn't uh, get enough enough time to watch to make any sort of assessment on, but uh, Michael Lackey is an unrestricted free agent. He's a senior, so he'll be looking to sign a contract if he can this summer uh, with an NHL team. He is uh, 21, 6'4", 214, and he looked really great. Uh, he made a number of really impressive stops. He looked zoned in. He's tracking the puck really well. I thought he had quick feet. Uh, he took up a lot of the net being six foot four, which of course the NHL really likes that. The most uh, prominent player for Harvard has to be without question Adam Fox, 19% owned defenseman, Carolina Hurricanes prospect, acquired from Calgary uh, in that big offseason trade with Dougie Hamilton and, and Michael Furland. So he's a junior, so he still has one more year of eligibility uh, remaining should he choose to exercise it. Uh, if he does, I think that would be bad news for Carolina as it probably means he'd be looking at becoming an unrestricted free agent. But he's just dynamite. He's NHL ready right now, in my opinion. He's 22 years old. Uh, he has seven goals, 24 assists, and 31 points. Um, sorry, in 22 games, not 22 years old. 22 games. So the big question on this guy's file is... Is he going to turn pro now, or is he going to ride it out and become a free agent? So a lot of concern about that as to why Calgary would have included him in that trade if they, unless they thought they didn't have any chance of signing him. Uh, another player on Harvard who you would know would be Jack Drury, um, another Carolina Hurricanes prospect center. He's 19 years old. So he's in his first year. Uh, he's six foot 180. Uh, he's a 2018 second-round pick by the Kings, and he was part of uh, USA at the World Juniors this year as well. He didn't quote, uh, register any points in seven games. He's 0-4. Um, but in his season this year, first season as a, a freshman, he's got 21 games and 18 points, seven goals, 11 assists. That's pretty solid. Uh, it didn't really stand out to me at all in the game I watched. Uh, I was even looking for him a lot of times too and didn't really do anything from, that stood out. Um, and that's all I got for those two teams. So moving on to the final two. The final was obviously between Northeastern and Boston College. And Northeastern won this last year. They broke a, a long-standing drought and uh, were hoping to repeat, which they did. Um, so on Northeastern, your MVP for the tournament and top goalie for the tournament was Caden Primo, Montreal Canadiens prospect. 10% owned. He really burst out on the scene in college uh, last season. Uh, he made the USA for the World Juniors and took over the starting role there and was really, really impressive for USA at the World Juniors. If that was your first time ever seeing him play or hearing about him, you thought, eh, he's good, but where'd he come from? Uh, 
and I could see a lot of people thinking that since he's only 10% owned, uh, player with a higher pedigree and profile like Jake Ottinger is 20% owned. Um, Caden Primo should really be uh, have higher ownership in Fantrax League. So if you're in a keeper league and goalies are valuable, look this guy up, and if he's available, snatch him up real quick and thank me later. Uh, another player who is really, really hard to miss for Northeastern uh, it would be Tyler Madden, Vancouver Canucks prospect. Again, another player who really stood out at the World Juniors for USA. And Vancouver is licking their chops about this guy. Follow Cam Robinson on Twitter, and he'll keep you up to date on all his moves and all his um, fantastic sellies. You know, the, the kayak rowing, the snow angel, whatever it is that he does when he scores goals. Love it or hate it, he'll, he, he should be drafted by Carolina. He'd fit right in there. Uh, anyways... He was a uh, he was a force in this turn uh, in this tournament. He scored uh, scored some goals. He had some assists. Uh, set up a goal in the final game, and I saw him make a number of really strong back checking plays as well. Uh, I love this kid. A lot of Charlie Hustle, and uh, I think he's he's not long for the NHL. He'll be he'll be up there pretty soon. Uh, their top defenseman I thought looked pretty good as, at times as well. Jeremy Davies. He, uh, New Jersey Devils prospect from 2016. He's only 1% Fantrax owned. That might be about right for now. He was a seventh round pick. He has 22 points in 25 games this season for Northeastern, five goals, 17 assists. Uh, he's, he's their minute munching defenseman. He plays the point, power play, uh, penalty kill, takes a regular shift, a uh, little bit undersized, I thought, uh, moves pretty well. Uh, it's gonna have to. It's gonna have to get a lot stronger and be willing to put up with some some physical abuse to play at the pro level or even in the NHL. Uh, but the skills and the tools are there. Uh, moving over to the runner-up in the tournament, uh, Boston College Eagles. Uh, they had uh, this this game. The final game was the first period was really a goaltending duel. Uh, There's a lot of great scoring chances. It was a high tempo game right from puck drop. Caden Primo and Joseph Wall were excellent. They were just outstanding. Um, Joseph Wall, of course, is a Toronto Maple Leafs prospect. Um, Leaf fans be excited for this guy. He's only 7% Fantrax owned, but I think he could be turning pro sooner than later as well. And he'll probably have a season in the Marlies before he's ready to back up Frederick Anderson. And uh, when Frederick Anderson's contract expires, depending on how he's playing and how Wall's playing, they could just pass the baton over to Joseph Wall for that at that point. Uh, there's also a really good article by Russ Cohen on Elite Prospects on the Elite Prospects ringside talking about Joseph Wall. Um, so go ahead and, and look that up and check that out. Uh, the one player who I was looking forward to watching the most this tournament didn't really disappoint. That's David Cotton. He's another Carolina prospects, uh, Carolina Hurricanes prospect rather. Um, he's only 1% Fantrax owned, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about him on this podcast before, so that, clearly that tells me more people need to listen to this podcast. And uh, he's the he's the number one offensive player for the Boston College Eagles. He's their first-line center. He's playing on a line with Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, and the commentators were bang on when they said if Boston College is going to be good in this game, David Cotton's going to have to be great. And... Uh, Northeastern had a couple of goal lead going into the third period, and uh, David Cotton stepped up. He scored a goal. He set up another goal, um, but it wasn't enough to overcome the deficit, and Northeastern clinched it with an empty netter. But he's got 26 games, 15 goals, 9 assists, 24 points for the Eagles this year. He's a big guy. I believe this is his uh, junior season, so he could have one more to go after this, or he could turn pro. I would not be surprised if he turned pro and went and played for the Checkers next season. Uh, moves really well for a big guy. Um, uses his size to his advantage. He's got good hands. He's got a good hard shot with a quick release, too. Uh, you know, 15 goals. There you go. Uh, so I really like David Cotton. Only 1% Fantrax owned is atrocious. Unfortunately, he's owned in the DPFHL, and, and I don't own him, but I'm working on that. Oliver Wallstrom a player you know very well, 30% Fantrax owned, New York Islanders prospect, first round pick from the 18 draft, ride shotgun for Cotton. Um, Wallstrom, you probably learned about him from when he was nine in that YouTube sensation video where he does the spinorama on a penalty shot kind of scenario. 
Um, also played for USA at the World Juniors, of course. Um, he's got 13 points in 23 games this season. Uh, his offense has started off really slow, but it's been coming along this season, I understand. Um, liked what I saw from Fairby more than I did from Wallstrom. Uh, those are two good comparables. They were pretty evenly ranked on a lot of draft rankings and the fantasy ranking on daughter prospects as well. Uh, it looks like the development curve is trending, the needles trending towards Fairby more so than Wallstrom, but, uh, you know, maybe it's just because he's drafted by the New York Islanders. Another player uh, I really wanted to watch was Jack McBain. He is 4% fan track zoned. Minnesota wild prospect. Uh, big center coming out of Toronto. He's got 11 points in 23 games. His offense has been coming along this season. Uh, the commentators mentioned that a few times. Uh, I liked what I saw from him. Uh, he's uh, very similar to David Cotton. He's got big size, moves pretty well, good shot, good hands, uh, keeps his head up. I like I liked what I saw from, from Jack McBain. However, there's going to be an incubation period with this prospect, so he's a few years away. Uh, another player, Buffalo Sabres prospect, the captain of Boston College, uh, Casey Fitzgerald. He's a 2016 third-round pick. Um, he looked good, not great. He's got 26 games, 9 points, so I don't think there's a lot of fantasy relevancy on this file. If he ever makes it to the NHL, he's certainly not going to be a, a lamplighter by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so that was the tournament. Uh, it's a great tournament. I highly recommend you taking an opportunity to watch it next year. Maybe bookmark it somehow, put it in your, make a little calendar event on your phone, reminder, watch the Bean Pot early February. Uh, it's a great way to see what uh, NCAA prospects are doing on four of the more prominent teams in the NCAA. So that's the bean pot. I'm going to take one last little break here and come back with a couple of questions from listeners and then wrap up. So it's your questions time. You got questions, shoot them to me on Twitter at DPR underscore show. And let me know what you want to know about prospects. And I will see what I can do about getting your answer on the show. So this week's first question comes to me from Regis J. O'Rourke, J.R. at KingShev93. And he actually has three questions uh, rolled into one. So breaking it down, he's got is Fix Wolanski worth owning? Thoughts on Emil Bamstrom and Kale Kosilla. So let's unpack these questions here real quick. So starting with the first one, is Fix Wolanski worth owning? Yes. Uh, he's three percent fan tracks owned. He's a Columbus Blue Jackets eight. 2018 seventh round pick. Uh, so this is a, a player in the dub. He's a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, he's a little undersized, 5'7", 187, and, um, you know, I'm getting a little tired of saying this, but that doesn't matter in the NHL anymore. It really doesn't. Uh, it has in the past, and I think there's been a tendency to be hesitant from teams towards drafting some players who are getting a little bit older in junior college or a little bit undersized, even though they're putting up gaudy numbers. But I think enough teams have taken chances on some of these players, and they ju- it just keeps paying off for the teams that do. So I would not hesitate to look at owning Fix Wolanski. Um, he's 52 games, 29 goals, 55 assists, 84 points. So like I said, some pretty gaudy offensive numbers. Uh, and I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets prospect system is one of the deeper ones in the NHL anymore. So I think he's got uh, a really good uh, potential and opportunity and situation. Uh, so yeah. Uh, if you're looking at owning him, especially if you can get him as a free agent, absolutely. Uh, he asked for my thoughts on Emil Bemstrom. This is another Columbus Blue Jackets prospect, uh, 2017, fourth-round pick. Uh, he was great at the World Juniors recently. Uh, in five games with Sweden, he had uh, four goals and two assists for six points. And you remember on our, our, our Sweden World Junior preview, I mentioned that their defense was great. They didn't have any household names on on the forward ranks, though. But Emil Benstrom, I think, could turn out to be maybe not a household name, but a household fantasy prospect name. 
so he's uh, playing in the SHL right now uh, as uh, in the pro leagues. He's got 28 points in 34 games. Uh, so Emil Bandstrom is only 6% fan tracks owned. So my thoughts on him are, yeah, I think he's totally worth owning. I think that would be a very good get in your fantasy league if you can get him. Uh, his other player, Cal Costilla, talked about him in the first segment about players who are set to become unrestricted free agents. So he's only 3% fan tracks owned. His career AHL numbers are 148 games played, 127 points. He's 25 years old. He's a player that, in my opinion, is his fantasy value is trending down. He's a great NHL, AHL player, uh, like Seth Griffith, but not able to translate it into the NHL. He's had a couple of cups of coffee in the NHL, and none of this panned out. Obviously, Anaheim is going to give up on him. He's going to become a free agent. If he gets signed in North America, especially if it's a two-way contract, he might get a second lease on life, and he could turn out to be... Uh, a late bloomer, maybe like a Carter Verhag situation, uh, but that remains to be seen. Speaking of Carter Verhag, next question comes from good buddy Lucas Main at LAM1926. Not his first question on the podcast either. Uh, so Lucas asked me, is Carter Verhag the next late bloomer to come out of Tampa Bay? Um, so late bloomers coming out of Tampa Bay include players like uh, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Martin St. Louis. Uh, so is Carter Verhag going to fall in line with these types of players? Um, well, he was the AHL Player of the Week last week after scoring six points, two goals, and four assists in two games played. Uh, he's leading the Syracuse Crunch in scoring. He has 54 points in 43 games this season. He is 23 years old. Uh, he stands at six foot two. He's 187. And... You might remember this player. He was originally drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. 2013, he was a third-round pick, so not that late, uh, coming out of the OHL. He was traded to the New York Islanders for Michael Grabner in that big five-for-one trade. Five prospects from the Leafs, including Taylor Beck, Matt Finn, Chris Gibson, and Tom Nilsson, along with uh, Carter Verhag, of course, uh, to Tampa Bay. Um, sorry, to the New York Islanders for Michael Grabner. He was then later traded to Tampa Bay for goaltender Christian Godlewskis, who looked great at the World Juniors. He's had a couple of tournaments where he almost beat Canada single-handedly. Um, I got really hot to trot for Godlewskis, uh, thinking that he was going to sneak in to an NHL job, but wasn't really able to get starting position in Tampa Bay. And uh, he's he's moved on now. Uh, so getting back to Verhaeg, uh, he's going to get an NHL call up at some point. At the moment, he's only two percent owned. Is he going to be the next uh, big thing in Tampa Bay? I don't know, man. They got a pretty good roster. It'd be difficult, very difficult, for him to crack the top six. It's probably more likely that he's another example of Cal Casilla um, or Seth Griffith, another really great AHL player. Um, but we'll see. He hasn't had a chance to show what he can do at the NHL. He's got zero NHL games played. Um, eventually, they got they got to give him an opportunity. He's not that old. He's leading their AHL team in scoring. Um, so we'll see. He's probably going to be a Black Aces player in the playoffs for them. And maybe if Tampa Bay gets a couple injuries, he'll get a, a shot this season. If not, I think they'll certainly have to look at him next year. He'll be on an entry-level contract or a very, 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 very cheap contract. And as we all know, Tampa Bay has got their... Uh, cap issues so he could be a really good opportunity for them to roster a player that uh, fits in their in their very limited cap space um next question comes to me from a former guest of the show brock otten uh at brock otten he's ohl prospects on twitter um if you don't follow brock's blog if you've never looked at it uh, you absolutely have to check it out he does some really really fantastic stuff he's starting to get picked up and writing for other places like McKean's as well um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple more places that I'm forgetting off the top of my head that, that Brock posts articles for uh, there isn't anyone in my opinion that has his finger on the pulse of the OHL more than Brock um, and he's contributed a little bit in some articles to Dopper Prospects as well so friend of the pod Brock Auden asks me how has Jack McBain progressed from the start of the year till now? I touched on that a little bit on the last segment, uh, reviewing the Beanpot. I haven't had a chance to see Jack McBain play a lot, but in watching the games, 
Monday night and last week, uh, the commentators talking about Jack McBain a couple of times made comments about how he is really starting to develop his offensive game at the NCAA level. So this is his uh, freshman year in college and um, got a little bit of a late start making the transition. He came from the Ontario Junior Hockey League, uh, not even the OHL, uh, and to obviously to maintain his college eligibility. Uh, so that's a big jump playing from you know teenagers to to men at the college level. And uh, so it sounds like he had a little bit of an adjustment period there, but he's starting to figure it out. And uh, he's a player that I ranked a little bit higher than most people um, on my draft rankings, mainly because they are fantasy slanted. And I like players that have good size and good hands and other people draw comparisons to him and throw out names like Joe Thornton. So that's just something to look for there. Um, but to answer Jabark's question, it sounds like he's coming along. Like I said, I watched him play a couple of games and I uh, really liked what I saw. Um, I think there's definitely potential there, but um, going to be an incubation period. Okay, the last question comes from Ben Burns at Burnsy1022. Ben asks me for my thoughts on John Gillies and the future of Mason McDonald. So it sounds like Ben's got a situation where he can acquire some goaltending depth coming from the Calgary organization. And he's curious as to know what that's going to look like. So I dug, uh, I did a little little deep dive on the situation, and, and here's what I came up for you, Ben. I answered this question for you on Twitter, but just to elaborate a little bit on the show for you here. Um, so looking at the, the bigger picture overall, you've got Mike Smith and Dave Riddich on the NHL roster right now. And after this season, Mike Smith's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's gone. He hasn't really impressed that much with him this year. In fact, he's been flat out awful at times, and he's lost the starting job to a bit of an unknown in Dave Riddich. So as long as Riddich doesn't turn out to be the next Tim Thomas or Dominic Hasek, um, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to resign in Calgary, and it's going to be his job next season uh, as one of the Calgary goalies, probably the starter. What Calgary does by the trade deadline or in the offseason in terms of addressing their goaltending situation remains to be seen. I would not be surprised if they went out and, like Philadelphia, found themselves a veteran that can come in and um, mentor or tutor some of their young goalies. Because, to your point, they have a couple. John Gillies, um, Mason McDonald, and Tyler Parsons are all within the system playing in the AHL or the ECHL. So Gillies is the oldest. He's 25. He's the starting goalie uh, for their AHL team right now in Stockton. He's got uh, 30 games. His goals against average is pretty terrible, actually. It's 4.02. And I follow uh, our Calgary Frames prospect writer, Joel Henderson. He owns him in the fantasy league that we're in together. And, and that means a lot to me. Not too many people are more in tune with Calgary Frames prospects than, than Joel. And uh, Joel owns uh, John Gillies in our fantasy league. And I noticed that he had a tweet about him the other day that he had let in about five goals in a game. And he listed the conditions that these goals went in. And they were like deflections, breakaway, two on none. Um, none of them were, were soft or, or weak goals. And so he's feeling a little bit of pity for, uh, for big John Gillies in that situation. Um, so despite the fact that his numbers are terrible, I still think that there's some value in that, in that player. And if they don't go out and add a veteran goalie, um, for insurance, then I think it's John Gillies job next year, uh, backing up David Riddich. That would allow them to put, uh, both, uh, Mason McDonald and Tyler Parsons uh, in the AHL and that those two battle it out for the starting role or, or go splitsies. Uh, I like Tyler Parsons' upside a lot. Saw him play a lot when he was in London in the OHL, and I think he's just a money goalie. Uh, he looked really good for USA when he played for them in the World Juniors as well. Um, goalies are slow to develop, and quite frankly, they're a little bit of voodoo, and I'm not really sure how to judge them. I'm talking a lot about goalies on this episode, that's weird. I try to avoid them. Um, but in the long run, I really like Tyler Parsons as the long-term solution in Calgary. Um, but I haven't seen him play in a long time, quite frankly, um, since he was in junior. Um, so to answer your question, uh, my thoughts on John Gillies and the future of Mason McDonald. Um, I think it's worth a gamble. And I think it's a good buy low opportunity because his stats this season are pretty terrible. And you can point that out and you can say, like, you know, he missed an entire season almost of development in 2015 16, 
where he played seven games before a season-ending injury. I forget what it was. Um, and his record this season is, is pretty terrible, 6-12 and 12 with a four goals against average. Um, so the seller should be highly motivated to clear that contract off their roster. And if you think there's upside there and this is a, a goalie who you could, uh, in, a, in a season or two, be laughing. And I don't think Stockton is a very good team this season. I haven't watched any of their games, but I understand they're not doing so hot. Um, so, yeah, give it a go, depending on, of course, what you have to give up. I didn't hear anything about what you were what was going the other way in the deal, uh, and that would be relevant as well as scoring stats and all that. But um, that's my take on the goaltender situation with the Calgary Flames. All right, man. So that wraps up this episode. Uh, again, please uh, feel free to follow on Twitter, subscribe on whatever podcast uh, provider you listen to. Please give me a five-star review. Uh, share the show. Let some other people know about it. And uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. The outro band this week is going to be uh, an old band, probably one that no one's ever heard of. Uh, they're my uh, one of my favorite bands. They're a Scottish folk band. Saw them play live a couple times in the last two years. Very uh, little small cafe-type intimate setting things. Very acoustic show. Just three guys two guitars um their name is the trash can sinatras and i've been fans of them since the mid 90s so they're old like me hope you like them cheers thanks for your time and you can thank me for mine we'll see you on the next episode Crying out loud.